This is the Strength Anger Podcast, part of the Berserker Strength Radio Network, featuring APF Illinois State Chairman Eric Stone, as well as AAPF AWPC Powerlifter Robert Bain. We are coming at you from 2XL Powerlifting in Lombard, Illinois, and you can find this podcast online on anchor.fm. Okay, we are here with episode four. Quattro. Of the Strength and Anger podcast. This is Eric Stone here along with Robert Bain. Yo. Not anything other than Robert or Bain we learned today. Yeah, uh, you guys got the very emphasized, my name is Robert or Bain. Wow, I did not know this, but don't effing call Bain anything but Robert or Bain. Correct. Or you will get a lot of strength and a lot of anger. <laughs> <laughs> I think I actually surprised you guys with how like passionate I was about that. I was actually surprised because you could call me Eric, you could call me Stone, uh, you could call, I don't know, there's no really like variations of Eric. E. e, you could call me Rick. It doesn't really bother me that much. Yeah. I'm pretty easy going. You're not on your name. Most other things, yes. Yeah, I'm usually a pretty laid back guy. Like, not on your effing name, though. No, my, my name is, and so yeah, if you're listening to this and you, uh, you know us, my name is Robert Orbane, and if you ever want to see me actually get really angry, is go past the one free pass I get people with uh, my first name especially. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's delve into our first segment. What's going on? One of these days, I'm gonna like plug in that little start of this song from the eight, that song from the '80s. What's going on? Uh, what's going on with you, Bane? Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty low key weekend. I, uh, I actually haven't trained the last couple weekends. Uh, just getting some time with the fam. So actually, just telling you about this, I went on a uh, gangsters and ghosts tour of the city uh, this weekend. Dude, dude, it was dope. Like, we, we were looking over something to do. My sons were actually out at my parents' house. And so it was just me and, and Nick and my daughters. And I threw that up there. It was on Groupon. And they're like, yeah, let's go. It sounds really, really cool. It was awesome. Really fun tour. You know, a couple hours walking around the city. Very reasonably priced. Uh, also got to go to my favorite restaurant in the city, Luke's Lobster. So got some lobster rolls. Enjoyed that a lot. And, uh, yeah, so really, really uh, fun. And came in here and basically got a jaw workout because Big and Tasty was in <laughs> Yeah, we always, I find if we can just like shout out a couple people in the podcast and they listen to it. So big and tasty, Chris Cassanders, nope. we'll, we'll give him a shout out. Um, he is big and I assume he's tasty. Yes. Uh, anything else, Payne, or is that all you got going on? That's that's really about it, man. Uh, how about you? What's uh, what's going on in the world of stone? Um, I basically had a, a basic white bitch uh, pumpkin spice latte type weekend. So you were drinking White Claw and breaking the law? I mean, almost. <laughs> um, we did go to an apple orchard yesterday, nice. which I usually really enjoy. But oh my gosh, the lines there! Apparently, the basic white bitch thing is just taken off. Yeah, because the line just to get into the parking lot was balls like, here. Right, Jesus! I mean, the line just to get in there was terrible. Um, I waited an hour to have like Costco quality burgers and pulled pork. Um, I think my mother in law waited in a forty five minute line to get the pumpkin donuts and apple spice donuts which were only good they were not great like they normally are yo man that's bullshit and as we finally got up to the ticket counter like three hours after we should have been there jesus the lady's like well you know the maze closes at four thirty, and it's four o'clock right now and there's a line like all the way like back behind the ticket counter just to get to the hayride to get to the maze so we're just like hey we're just gonna walk yeah um, and we had, you know, two, three-year-olds, a seven-year-old, eight-year-old. So we just decided, well, we'll just walk. It wasn't that Se- Seems like a doomed adventure at that point. It was actually okay. The kids liked the maze. So it was fun. 
But uh, yeah, I think we have to find a new apple orchard. At me at 2XL Powerlifting, if you could recommend a new apple orchard for 2020. Yeah, so, that, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it was. It's a good apple orchard, generally speaking. They got a lot of cool things there. But yeah, this waiting this long was ridiculous. Yeah, twenty bucks says if you go this weekend, there's no one there. Mm, yeah, I mean it was extraordinarily nice. Yeah, on Saturday or Sunday. Sun- I mean, sad both days it was nice. Sunday it's, was beautiful. Sunday was beautiful, so it makes sense. Yeah. So the topic for today is tips for your first powerlifting meet. Yeah, let's talk about our first time. Yeah, everybody remembers their first time, right, Bane? Uh, I do actually. Yeah. So tell us about your first meet. We talked about this in our first episode, we but did. maybe talk about like, you know, what mistakes you made in addition to just it being your first meet. Sure. So, you know, going to my first meet, it really was just just doing it to do it, and uh, it's like a lot of things I've done for the first time. And, <laughs> you know, really, I the mistakes I made was I, I really had no plan going in. Like, I didn't understand how to make jumps. I didn't understand uh, really, like, where my strength was at. I, I I really had no clue what I was doing, nor did I bring anyone to help me with that. My wife came along, and, and she just kind of enjoyed the show. And I, mean, I didn't even have – we'll get into this, like, the things you need. I didn't even have all the stuff I needed. I found that out kind of the hard way, and so I, uh, I borrowed some things and – so that, those are some of the first mistakes I made. But, yeah, just not, not having a strategy, not knowing, you know, what I was doing. I still had a absolute blast. And I realized, like, hey, if I have this much fun not knowing what I'm doing, imagine what's going to happen when I do know what I'm doing. This could be really, really good time. So um, that really was, I just went in with no plan and uh, just kind of enjoyed the experience. And what was your first meet again? For those uh, that haven't listened to episode one, which I do recommend you listen to. Highly recommend. Uh, all the old episodes are on anchor.fm. So first meet was the 2014 Illinois State Meet in Sycamore, Illinois. Okay. And what were your lifts in total there? Oh, God. I got to go back on open powerlifting to find that. My total was 1,300. At, uh, at what weight class? At 242. Okay. And I actually found out uh, through uh, a talk I had with him, Barzine Vaziri also totaled 1,300 at his very first meet. Wow. Well, I mean, and he wasn't nearly the fattest Illinois lifter that he is now. No, no, he was not at that he point. Was, he might have still been like a 308er, though, because most of his meets I think back, he was 275. Yeah, back he was a in the, light kid. Yeah, he was, I mean, he's very tall. He's got to be 6'5". Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a big unit um, in a variety of ways. Uh, but, yeah, so Bar- Barzine, uh, he and I totaled the same thing, and uh, the person we were having the conversation with uh, totaled significantly higher than both of us, and so I felt kind of like trash. Uh <laughs> when we found that out. So, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, you live and you learn. But, uh, so yeah, so I think I squatted like somewhere in the fives. I'm actually pulling it up on open powerlifting right now if uh, the internet's here will work. Because that's how long it's been since I uh, did my first meet. I don't remember anything. There we go. So, very first meet, Illinois State meet, 242. I waited at 237. I take that back. I squatted 485. I benched 264. I took 308 for a ride. I actually remember this distinctly because the spotters were not paying attention, and I dropped it on my chest. Oh, wow. That was exciting. And then I pulled uh, 551 for 1,300.7 total. Okay. Yep. So, you know, talk about mistakes you made or things you didn't bring. You talked about how you didn't necessarily have everything you needed. Yeah. So uh didn't bring wrist wraps because I didn't know you could use them. Uh didn't have a singlet. I assumed I could just lift in shorts and a t-shirt. You didn't have a singlet? I did wow. not have a singlet. I had to borrow one from some, from Peter Puchko, actually. And 
Now that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, this singlet left even less to the imagination than mine do now. Um, Understood. Yeah, it, it was it was small. And the legs were also very small. They were very, his very European cut. We'll put it that way. I mean, Peter Puchko is kind of the European type. He, he is. He is. And so I, I wore it. And yeah, it was, uh, that was an experience. <laughs> so I, uh, I immediately went out and bought a, uh, a wrestling single after that. So I would be ready for the next time I would do one of these powerlifting things. Um, I had my belt at least. I actually didn't have any flat soled shoes. I had a pair of tennis shoes that I lifted in. Bright neon yellow, by the way. Uh, so if you go back. Stylish. And, oh, it's awesome. Uh, if you actually go back and look at the uh, the video, it's you watch my technique and everything like that. It's just oh man, I don't know, I don't even know how I survived it. that meet. Uh, Loud, yeah, it was it was rough. Uh, but again, I just I had a great time because even though I was very obviously completely discombobulated, everyone was very helpful. People were very willing to kind of show me what to do, kind of keep me on track. It, it was it was awesome. Um, the the one thing I really wish I would have had is somebody just to coach me through. Uh, how to how to do attempts? I didn't understand how to do that. I mean, I I benched two sixty four and then jumped to three hundred eight. Not a good idea. Uh, again, just not having any clue and not knowing what I was doing. I just went for PRs right away. It it again just wasn't uh, that wasn't awesome. But again, still had a good time. So I'll go into my first meet in a second. But uh, a lifter that came to our summer bash, I think two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't name his name, but he's went on to do some, you know, pretty decent things. I saw him at WPC Worlds this last year. Mm-hmm. His first meet, he bombed on the bench. Or excuse me, he bombed on the squat and the bench and the deadlift. Zero for nine. And really, what? Really, you're not really supposed to be able to continue after you bomb in one of the lifts. But yeah. because it was a local meet and he was a kid, he was a teenager at the time, I said, yeah, you know, we'll go ahead and let him continue. Yeah. I mean, he didn't miss his squats for depth or technical reasons, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He just got buried. And then literally same thing on the bench. I think he touch and goed one of his bench, so he did forget the press command. But it was clear he wasn't going to be able to get it with a press. Yeah. And then his deadlifts were just, like, glued to the ground. Oh, and so, geez. you know, it was a big meet, but I remembered the dude that went zero for nine just, you know, bombing on all nine attempts. So I go up to him and I said, man – like, what happened? Yeah. He said, oh, man, you know, Mr. Stone, I just said it was my first meet. I'm going to go in there. I was going to go in there and do my max attempt on my first lift. I said, eh, you know, that's really not your best idea. Probably not a good idea. You probably should have opened with something considerably lighter. Yeah. I said, I recommend for your next meet you open with about 75 pounds lighter on every lift. <laughs> <laughs> and he's he listened. And at future meets and actually at Worlds uh, last, no, I think it was Worlds last year. Um, he missed his opening squat, and I was either announcing or helping at the table. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I looked at him, I said, you do not mm-hmm. go up on your second attempt. And he's like, really? He's like, that was easy. I'm like, no. Because no. I think he missed it on depth. And so I said, no. You repeat that, you bury it. And yep. he got it, but then he missed his third, <laughs> which is what he went up to. And he thanked me afterward that I gave him the advice to stick with his attempt. Because I didn't want to go all the way to Florida and bomb. Yeah, that's, that's never good. That would suck to do that. Yeah, no good. <laughs> so my first meet, we talked about this during our first episode, but it was the 2000 Illinois State meet on the third floor of Franz Gym. So here's some of the mis- mistakes I made. I yeah. actually had gloves. Yes. Do they match your bag? Uh, I didn't have a bag. So Sorry, your purse. 
Yeah, they, they might. If I had a purse, they probably would have matched. Um, <laughs> and as I'm going up uh, to figure out what the hell's going on, running up and down the three flights of stairs of Franz Jim, mm-hmm. one of the judges, Mike Sweeney, told me, uh, those aren't allowed, sir. And I said, oh, wow. Um, I warmed up for the bench first, cause I, and I don't know why. I, I think back, like, I, w- I thought it was odd that nobody else was opening up. Nobody else was warming up for the bench, and everyone else was running for squat. I think what happened was I was on the list for bench, but I wasn't on the list for squat because mm. for whatever reason, they didn't they, – they missed put me in the flight. So I remember running up there, asking them, hey, w- what flight I'm in for squats? I asked somebody. They said, hey, yeah, we do squats first. I remember talking to Amy Jackson Maris, and they said, oh, somehow that got missed. You're in whatever flight you're in for squats. So then after warming up for bench, I started warming up for squats. Nice. Um, I fell back on my first squat, um, <laughs> just stood up and just straight up fell backwards. Um, I had some cheesy Velcro knee wraps, which I'd probably gotten from like Walmart or something like that. I really um, enjoy looking at the notes here. It says cheesy Velcro knee wraps. They, <laughs> that's a, that's the best description I can think of them. So great. Uh, and Mayor Sternberg, my who became my coach later, had one of the Franz lifters come over and give me what I thought was a really tight knee wrap mm-hmm. um, for my second lift after being wrapped like eight lifters out. Um, I just had my, and they weren't on that tight, but I just wrapped them up and had them Velcroed, yeah, um, ready to go. Just and I, it, to be fair, at this time there was no computerized scoring system, so there wasn't a way to like see where the order was. You just had to listen, right? Um, so I went eight for nine. I did four twenty four, two twenty, and three ninety seven at one sixty five at my first meet. I actually set a couple of Illinois state teenage records. Nice. Um, and my second meet, which was APF Teenage Nationals, I remember this after going through my old numbers, I almost bombed in the squat. I I can't remember why I missed my opening squat. Either I fell back again or I missed it on depth, or it was some odd technical reason. Mm-hmm. On my second squat, after I got the squat command, I moved my one foot, like like literally just slightly, like just adjusted mm-hmm. it, which, as we'll talk about, after you get the squat command, or after you, yeah, after you get the squat command, you cannot move your feet at all. Yep. And so I moved my foot slightly, missed that one. And I had what I would tell everyone not to do. I had gone up from my missed opener to my second attempt. Wah, wah. Luckily, I went and got it. And there was another. There was a high school coach there that got in my face before my fir- third squat and said, you are not bomb out of this meet. Don't be an idiot or something like that. Don't be um, that guy. I don't even think I realized that if I missed my lift, I was bombed out. I don't think it like, I don't think that I like, yeah, kind of, that, that registered with me. I don't all. think it registered. Like yeah. I just thought, like, oh gosh, I missed my first two, but it wasn't like, oh, if I miss this, I'm out of the meet. Yeah, I never thought that at all. I mean, granted, I got my first squat, so I didn't have to really worry about it. But that never crossed my mind ever during those first couple of meets. Like, oh yeah, if I don't get this lift, like I'm out of the meet. Right. So I didn't. It didn't even realize. So I almost bombed in the squat. I ended up getting on my third, and then continuing on to have a decent meet. Um, so that was my first couple meets and the mistakes I had and. We're going to kind of do a condensed version today of the, like, five-hour presentation I do <laughs> in our beginners slash intro powerlifting meets. And it was those first couple meets were kind of the the nexus for the idea for those seminars and events came from, is that, hey, you know, I really enjoyed my first meet, but I think I could have enjoyed it more if I had just a little bit more base of knowledge. Yeah. You know, I wish I'd had an event like our beginners meet to do first and then did the Illinois State meet. I would have gotten more out of it. I would have been able to, you know, probably get better lifts and maybe iron out some of the mistakes, beginner's mistakes, that we hope that we can help you guys, you know, kind of avoid in your first meet. 
no, I, I agree. I, I wish I'd had something like that. I mean, granted, I had, you know, people promoting the, the meat to me and telling me to go. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of put in here, you know, the reasons why I came back. Honestly, the reasons why I came back is because I wanted to see what it was like if I knew what I was doing. Um, I think I would have had still a great time if I'd done a beginner's meet or had a beginner's type seminar prior because uh, I, I would have been more proficient at what I was doing. Uh, so it really was kind of happenstance that I did come back because, again, if I had gotten the attitude like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing and this sucks, it, there's no way I would have ever come back. It was kind of happenstance that it, it, I enjoyed it. Right, and going back to the story of my teenage boy that bombed in all three lifts. <laughs> now, he did come back. I'll give him credit, and he listened, and I think he just really liked the atmosphere of the meet, even yep. though he bombed. But let's just say you know, your average teenager comes to a meet and just doesn't get any of their lifts. They might not come back. You know, and that could be true of maybe any age person. They come and they just do poorly yeah. because they don't understand the commands. They don't understand the depth requirements. They don't understand, you know, maybe some of the technical small things about waiting for the squat command. But what did the Internet say about the lift? Yeah, the, the Internet. Well, you know, the judges didn't give it to me, but I, but I did get the I got, lift. I got the lift. But yeah, I got the they, lift. They didn't yeah. give it to me. The Internet gave it to me. It's fine. Right. All yes. my buddies said it was good. Right. So let's start, Bane, with how to pick a meet. Now, normally I don't go through this in our seminar mm -hmm. because, you know, clearly... You're already there. You're already there. But, you know, how do you pick a meet? How do you enter a meet? So as far as picking a meet, my advice is just to find a local meet. Yeah. Just find a local meet. You know, maybe ask around people that you lift with or people that you know online. You know, ask who's a good... Who runs good meets in the area? Eric Stone. Um, yeah, that's for Chicago. Yeah, we, we recommend our meets here at 2XL Powerlifting. Yeah. But wherever you are, you know, just find a – don't travel far ways. Find something, if you can, um, in the area where you are. In my opinion, don't worry as much yet about the Federation or even all the little technical rules. You can kind of get that when you get your feet wet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in my opinion, APF runs very good lifter-friendly meets. Um it's hard to argue with the size and the scope of the USAPL and the USPA. Um, you know, in my opinion, the APF has a little bit more welcoming environment. Um, some of the other federations, you know, in my opinion, can be a little bit hit or miss. Um, it, it really honestly, and this is true of a lot of, this is even true of the big ones. Sometimes it can just depend on the meat director. So that's why I say yep. ask around and find a local meet of a meat director that you know puts on good meats. Um, don't worry about all the little minutia of things. You know, uh, as far as, like, how you should lift, um, you know, I think in this day and age with a raw division, we talked about this agnosium in the last two episodes. But yep. I would say just to keep your variables down, unless you're, like, dead set on lifting an equipment and you lift with a crew that does that, just lift raw. Lift how you normally lift. Buy a singlet. If you wear, if you wear a belt bring a belt. If you are wrist straps, bring wrist straps, but you don't need to do a bunch of extra stuff. You don't need to no. go out and buy fancy shoes or buy knee sleeves if you haven't used them. You know, if the meat offers a raw division, lift raw. Um, you know, as far it's as... It's rare, kids. You get to do it raw first. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> as far as like, you know, if a meat is drug tested or not, well, I mean, let, it, go, it should go without saying that if you're on some, quote, banned substances... I mean, maybe we should back up and say, like, before you do your first powerlifting meet, do you necessarily need to be on bad substances? So so here's my take on that. Do you? There's some folks that are listening to this. They're on some stuff. Some will admit to it. Some will not. There are some folks that listen to this that are never going to get on the sauce. There are some folks that are on the fence. I'll be very frank. I will go on record as saying 
I have thought about it. I have looked into it. I personally have never taken it. I have passed every test I've ever been given. And this goes back to college. I was tested in college as well. It is a completely personal choice. Anybody that pressures you says, oh, you have to do it, I, I would say that's probably a bad idea. Unless they're saying, you have set this goal, you said you wanted to do this, and this aligns with that goal somehow. Right. If, you, if you come out and say, I want to be the best powerlifter in the world and have the biggest total period in the discussion, there's a good chance that, that may, those extra supplements may come into play. Right. So, and I guess where I was going was, if you're on something, pick a meat that's not tested. It should go without. Yeah, don't be that guy. It should go without saying. Oh, yeah. But there are plenty of meats. You, most USPA meats, APF meats. Actually, I think probably a majority of federations at least have a non-tested division. Mm-hmm. Probably the only one that doesn't is USAPL. It, I think it's really there's more non-tested than there is tested. Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at total number of lifters just due to the size of the USAPL, you know, it might. I'm sorry, it, number it, of like federations. Yeah, example. if you look at number of federations, but yeah. I guess you got some federations that have about a dozen lifters in them. That's true. So SPF. You know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's as far as like picking a meat. I mean, I, I don't know if you have any more more to say about how to pick a meat. I just find one that's local that aligns with when you think you can be ready, and that's maybe the next question: is when are you ready? Ooh. You know, in my opinion. You're never going to be, quote, ready. Like, there's not, a, like, a, a baseline of strength. In you. Now, do you need a, a solid amount of training under your belt? Yeah. Like, should you at least be training for three months, training power lifts? Yes. yes. Maybe six months, depending on the person. But I think, to me, the only, like, baseline of should you do a meet or not is have you trained for three to six months, and can you perform the lifts as you need to be performed in a meet, especially depth in the squat? Yeah. Just basic technical proficiency is what it, the baseline is to do a meet because we'll often get the question or i'll often get the question like when am i when am i ready like are these numbers good enough at the end of the day it really doesn't matter what your numbers are most people are just paying attention to themselves unless you're a high level lifter Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter just do a meet get some experience then think about okay now i can check open powerlifting.com and see where i stack up yes yeah and that's really i would agree there there's really no other thing that says i'm ready it's time to do a meet i actually just had this conversation Gosh, a month and a half ago. So a guy that I used to work with, um, Scott and I have known each other for going on probably 12 years now. And he started getting into lifting, started asking me tons of questions. And I kept pushing him, like, dude, there's a, he lives in uh, eastern Iowa. Go to this gym. They, they'll help you. I know all the guys there. They're good people. And so finally I told him, hey, just do a meet. Just pick one, do a meet. He found one. It was a couple hours away from where he lived. Uh I mean, it's Iowa, so there's you know, yeah, there's not a, a lot of cornfields. Yeah, you're either going to be lifting in Des Moines or in uh, in Dubuque. It's basically it. So, so he found one, did it. wasn't a crazy huge meet, like fifty some people, but he got the experience. He went eight for nine, and the first thing he says, he's like, "Dude, this was amazing." He sends me his numbers. These aren't world breaking numbers. Was bigger than my total. I will say that, uh, <laughs> and, I, and I let him know that because I think that's important. And but I was like, "Did you enjoy yourself?" Yes. I'm like, so now you have a barometer. Now you know what it's like. You know what taking those nine attempts is like. You know what the judging is going to be like. You know the basics of this. That's that's how you pick a meet is you can get that experience. Right. Pick a meet that, you know, once you decide, okay, I want to do a meet, my, my opinion is that then from there, pick something that's about at least 10 to 12 weeks out. Now yep. we're going to talk soon about like the technical aspect of entering the meet, like logistically entering and yep. how sometimes – you might have to pick a meet sooner than that just because of meat selling out. But at least pick a meet 10 to 12 weeks out 
whatever program you're following, like give yourself eight to 12 weeks to like, I don't, it doesn't need to be quote meat prep, <laughs> but you know, pick 10 to 12 weeks. You should always you, be gas station ready. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh. <laughs> At least. I sense some anger. <laughs> yes. It's scary that the hate flow through you. At least give yourself some time to, you know, really dedicate yourself to that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so from there, like, what division should you lift is often the question I get. Or, like, should I lift? We talked about raw, classic, equipped. Like, just lift however you lift now, yep. whatever division that is. Yep. As far as what division you should enter, I get that question a lot. Like, I don't know. Just enter whatever one. It doesn't really matter. If you're someone that fits into an age group, you could lift in that or you could lift in the open. At the end of the day, it, no one really cares. If you're really, like, I'll say this. If it's important to you to walk away with an award, probably if you fit into an age group, lift in the age group. If you don't care and maybe you want to see how you stack up against people in your weight, lift in the open. I'll take it one step further. The open is always the one you, you register for. If you fit into an age group and your finances can handle it, you do the you do the age group too. That That is my personal opinion on that. Until... Again, it, it, to me, it just makes the most sense to because if you're going to compete, the Open is where you should find the most competition. Now, right. hear what you're saying. If you want that trophy, and trust me, there's cool ones. I know that I, I saw some really dope ones here at 2XL, uh, you know, some skulls coming up. If that's important to you, yeah, get get the age group, but do the Open. Swim with the, the quote-unquote big boys for a little bit. Right. Or girls. <laughs> or non-binary, whatever you want to do. Oh boy, there's there's another there's another podcast. Yes. So as far as entering meets, here is where it gets kind of tricky in the modern era of powerlifting that we talked about with raw lifting is very popular. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of meets now that sell out um, well in advance. For instance, we have the Illinois and, raw and not like morally sell out like they just they just don't respond right, left right. Yeah. Well, I mean maybe that as well. Yeah. Uh, sell out as far as the registration you know reaches its cap that okay. they have set for the day. I never would have even thought of setting a cap at the meets I ran the first five, six, seven years I ran them. Um, it got to a certain point, especially with our raw meet, which we had, you know, at Right Fit and that at kind of a smaller location with one platform where it's just like we can't physically fit any more people in the facility. And the meets got so popular, we just had to say we can only basically, you know, accommodate X number of lifters. Um our raw meet this year, we're allowing 60 lifters, power lifters each day, which is four flights of lifters. Mm-hmm. I think we're at 50-some right now on the Saturday. So Jeez. if you're interested in lifting in the Illinois Raw Power Challenge in December, we're almost sold out on Saturday. We have plenty of spots on Sunday, which maybe thinks maybe I should have put like some other group on Sunday. But it, it's hard to predict yeah. you know, how to split things up. Um, so sometimes talk to other lifters that have done those meets, and if they sell out, you know, really soon, like our beginners meets, which would only allow 30 to 35 people in, mm-hmm. man, as soon as we put out registration, they sell out because yeah. we only allow a, a finite number of people. So sometimes you might have to pick a meet and then make sure that you somehow contact the meet director and, or watch their social media or whatever, you know, get on their email list and find out when they release registration to get in because there's often a, a de- you know, you definitely should enter the meet before a deadline. Don't be that person that emails me like this kid did today, <laughs> untitled email that says, can I enter the meet? Like, I mean, no offense, but we do have a lot of meets at 2XL. Yeah. So when you say I want to enter the meet. Which you, one? You got to be a little bit more specific. And if it goes to the 80. 80- I don't know. Can the meet enter you? <laughs> and it goes to the 80-20 rule where 
20% of the lifters are 80% of my work, where yeah. the people that enter late then have a bunch of extra questions. Just don't be that person. Just enter the meet, and if you have a question, ask, of course, but don't keep emailing me continuously. Yeah. Eric's got a lot going on. Trust me, he's a very busy man. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's let's not go too far. <laughs> um, so I, I guess that's it on entering your meet. Um, anything else to add on that? Picking a meet, entering a meet, Bane, from your experience, you kind of on the other side. You've never run a meet. Yeah, so so I would say just when you pick a meet, just pick the meet and do it. That's probably one of the, the biggest issues I ever have with anybody. Well, and enter early, I think, A, yeah. because sometimes the meets sell out, and B, once you've put your money down, mm-hmm. now you're committed. And it's easy You'd to back. that. Well, usually. I mean, for me, I don't know. 100 bucks for me, if I'm putting 100 bucks or something, unless I'm, like, injured, I'm lifting. And even then, I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, because there's a couple times where I've blown out a hamstring, and I've... I had a trip planned to Vegas. I blew out my hamstring, I think I talked about a couple weeks ago, running sprints mm-hmm. on the track. Yep. I still went and lifted the meet because I already had my trip booked. Yeah, and, and the same thing uh, last year at Worlds uh, in England. I, I actually tweaked my back three weeks before that meet, and everyone saw it. <laughs> yeah, you retweaked it a little bit. Yeah, I retweaked it during the meet. So that's a, that's a fun video. Check uh, Bane316 on Instagram. You'll see it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so my big thing, though, is is – if you do, if you sign up for the meet, commit to doing it. Don't don't be that person also that goes and asks for a refund. Again, unless there's a major crisis, again, major injury, you know, family thing, important family thing. Trust me, your dog getting pneumonia is not an important family thing. Hate to break it to you, you know, and, and because it's your first meet. Hashtag because, fur parents. Yeah, whatever. Sorry, I got enough kids. I'll say that. So plus, I got fur babies too. So there. Uh, I, it's an important thing, and I've seen this with a lot of different arenas, not just people's first powerlifting meet. You talk about it, you talk about it, stop talking about it, and be about it. If you say you want to do it, get that experience because it's going to do one of two things. It's going to say or convict you of the decision, yes, this is cool, I like doing this, I want to do some more of these, or like, this sucks, I don't want to do this anymore, but I know now. Well, and one of the things that I think in training a bunch of clients through the years that I think has been valuable in uh, having meets to train for, not even all the time, but there is something about having a deadline. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like these weight loss challenges where there's an end date. Yep. And not that everything should always have an end date, but sometimes it's good to have different seasons to your training, you know, mm-hmm. in season, off season, where you're having, you know, but right now is jaw season for me. Yeah, jaw season for you and Tacey. Yep. Um, there's times when it's like you want to focus on something slightly different. Mm-hmm. If you've never done a meet before, once you've committed and you're doing that meet, it does drive your training. And it does 100%. it does really sink. Like maybe those days when you're like, eh, maybe I'll skip my assistance work. Maybe I'll just skip the gym altogether. When you've got a meet in even four weeks, five, six weeks. Even whatever. I was gonna say even two or three months. It's like, hey, you know, I got a meet coming up that I just paid a hundred bucks for. You know, I have to get my ass in the gym. I don't want to embarrass myself and yep. I want to do my best. And if I've done a meet before, you know, I want to make sure I can set PRs. Yeah. Yeah, so there is something to that to committing, and then you know, kind of surrounding or not surrounding, but you know, uh, making sure that your life cannot revolve around your training, but at least so that you prioritize. It's one of the training. big. It's one of the big rocks, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Moving so, on. Moving on. Uh, now I've got a bunch of technical stuff on here that we're we're going to try not to like harp on because again we have an entire seminar where we talk about this stuff, but. Weigh-ins. So what do you need for... Well, first of all, figure out where and when weigh-ins are. Now, how do you find that out? Oh, my gosh. Just find the entry form, people. In fact, when you enter the meet, take the entry form, print it out on your little print at work, since I know nobody has a printer at their 
you know, at their uh, residence, at the res at their home, um, or take a screenshot of it and keep it on your, you know, your droid or iPhone. Ew. And then and then refer back to that because green text message nine disgusting nine times out of ten the entry form will have all of the information you need to know oh my gosh it will yeah where the meat is when the meat is where the wands are when, when the, they are when the wands are so look there first what divisions they are Hi. Oh, so a lot of those questions could be answered by merely reading i know reading is difficult yeah um that's why you guys are all listening to a podcast instead of reading a book just fyi siri can read the entry form to you no, come on. Can Siri actually read yes, Siri forms for that. you? Siri, Siri can. So, oh. quick segue. So, I, I have 40 to 40 minutes hour long commute every single day. I get approximately 3,000 emails every single day. Of which I need Holy to respond. Holy shit. Of which I need to respond to 47. So, a lot of CCs and BCCs. Tons of that stuff. And, you know, just FYIs. Again, being at, at where I'm at in, in the division that I'm in, a lot of information comes to me, right? And so I'm able to go through the stuff in my car and have certain things read to me. And so there's certain documents, whether it's a PDF, Word files, Siri can read that stuff to me if it's formatted properly. So this isn't your butler that's reading it to you or anything like no, that? No, this is, this is well, my Samuel L. Jackson Siri uh, that I bought on iTunes. Wow. It's so great. I love it so much. Does, does he throw a motherfucker in there every once in a while? I can if I wanted to. With somebody, I, I will tell somebody, hey, will you just throw that in the email, please, because I really want to hear Right at the bottom, like... Like, please respond. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll get that. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of documents read to me by Siri on my, on my drive to and from work. Okay. Hashtag technology. Yeah. So Superior technology. <laughs> when you get to WANs, here's usually the things you need. Um, you need your Federation membership card. Very important. I would say in this day and age, most organizations do not want you buying it at the WANs. Most of them want you buy it online and either print it out or even easier. Hashtag climate change. Just keep it on your phone. Now, Hashtag fake news. Well, I mean, yeah. Let's back up the fact that your phone is, you know, got a lithium iron battery. Yes. And, you know, it's a giant piece of te- – not a giant piece, but a giant leap in technology you have in your hand. Literally more technology in this than there was in the first, like, four Apollo missions <laughs> right. combined. But for ease of entering the meet – or uh, entering ways, just, you know – Pull up the uh, the membership card on your phone. Yep. Um, I would be ready with your your openers and don't bring them in pounds unless the meat is run in pounds. Most meats are run in kilos. Get a kilo chart. It's got you can't just take you know two hundred divided by two point two zero four six. You got to actually look at the two point five kilo increment kilo chart and find what you want your openers to be. And we'll talk a little bit about how to pick openers. But by the way, super cool technology the powerlifting toolkit that can help you figure out what your openers will be by doing the conversion for you. Wow. Uh, who made that? Uh, I'm not really sure, but I downloaded this like three years ago, and it's awesome. Wow. Well, maybe if they would like to sponsor the podcast, um, you can add 2XL Powerlifting yeah. if you want to get another shout-out uh, on a future episode. Powerlifting toolkit. Okay. Is that on the uh, App Store, I take it? Uh, it is. Uh, IamPetro.com is their parent. I'm actually looking at all this right now. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it helps you do Wilkes conversion, Glossbrenner, uh, has a one rep max calculator, kilos to uh, pounds. Uh, it's very, very nice. Okay. Very handy tool. If you cut weight, which I'll have to say I do not recommend for your first meet. No. I just, just don't do it. I mean, <laughs> in fact, when we're in our beginner's meets, I don't even have people list their weight class. I just tell them to list their body weight, and yep. I just put them in a weight class because, A, we don't give out placement awards, and, B, I want to encourage them not to cut weight for their first event. Just focus on lifting. Can Before we dive into that, is there a, ever a good reason to cut weight? 
in your opinion. Sure. Yeah, I think there's a good reason if you are going to break a record. and Which record? I don't know. A significant record? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so not the uh, Illinois APF Masters 4 I state mean, record? I mean, I don't know. I guess it depends on how much you're cutting. Like, if you're just, like, cleaning up your diet from pizza and beer and you could cut five or six or seven pounds and break a state record? I feel attacked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's a big deal. I just think for your first meet, unless it's, like, a couple of pounds – just weigh in whatever you weigh it in. And yep. then if it your body weight naturally goes to whatever weight class and it's like, hey, maybe I weigh 185 and I know that, you know, just by watching what I eat and maybe, you know, cutting out a little bit of liquids the day before I could make 181, that's one thing. But if you're making the Mike Strom 25-pound cut, oh my God. if you're going to do that, I get it for, you know, a big meat. But your first meet is not a big meet. Yeah. He was going to that for senior nationals, and then he totaled 1989 at 181. So, you know, there's that. But if you are going to cut weight, or even if you're just, like, cutting a couple pounds and fasting, like, for breakfast, bring the stuff with you so that as soon as you get off the scale, you can start rehydrating. In fact, if you ever want to cut weight, I recommend look up the ebook, The Art and Science of Cutting Weight. Yep. It used to be on Lead FTS. Now you can just download it for free. It lays everything out cutting with the water method and then what's even more important the reconstitution plan and we could do a whole podcast on cutting weight and how to cut weight and us our stories of cutting weight yeah maybe we'll, maybe we'll do that at some point but i guess I, I mean i will say i do watch what i eat i watch it as it goes from the plate into my mouth yeah, right 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 uh if it's available i recommend checking your rack height it's not yep. always going to be available and if it's not available i recommend getting to the meat site early the next day yep to Make sure that you're not one of those people, like, right before the meet is starting to check your rack height. And if yeah. you don't know, every meet, whether it's run on an ER-style rack or a monolift, at the very least, they're going to need your squat rack height before they start the meet. And yeah. don't don't go up there within your 60-second window and try to get it set. You want that set before the yep. meet starts. Yeah, this is a, a lot of the tips that we're giving you here are the don't-be-that-guy tips. Right. And, and this is definitely one of them. Don't be that guy. One of the biggest questions that I get uh, or one of the biggest confusions are how meets are run. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I can totally do this justice today, um, but basically we use the round system in powerlifting. Um, I represent that. (laughs) Basically, we'll we'll break lifters into groups called flights. Think like heats and swimming. Mm -hmm. And those group, those, you know, 10 to 15 people will do all of their whatever the lift it is together from lightest to heaviest. So let's say that we're going to group all the females together and there's 15 females. Sounds sexist. (laughs) They will do all three of their squat attempts, first, second, third, from lightest to heaviest. And then the next flight will go. Um, It was a couple of years ago at a summer bash. I had the list of flights and there's like three flights and the computer just printed them off one right after another. Now they were labeled ABC, Mm -hmm. but it was all one list and it was on one or two sheets of paper after we got done with flight A squats attempt one, mm-hmm. um, the guy who was the next on the list but was not in flight A just went up and went. He wasn't called. He wasn't on the computer. He just went up and lifted. And JP, uh, if he listed this, JP Roberts was sitting mm-hmm. at the table and he said, um, that's not the lifter that was supposed to be up there. And we called the guy up there and we said, you know, who are you? And he said his name. And we're like, you weren't called up. Like, you're in the next flight. And he's like, oh, well, on the list, I was the next person. We said... Yeah, but you're in the next flight. Hmm. So there seems to be some confusion. 
this seems super self-evident to me. And again, I could spend another 20 minutes on this, but flight A is going to do all their squats before flight B and flight B is going to do all their squats before flight C. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a long day if you get down to flight D. Yep. It's a long day when you get to the D. We'll just leave that there. (laughs) Um, As far as, you know, some of the other things, you know, sometimes meets are going to be broken into multiple platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, Occasionally, if it's a really big meet, you might have sessions, whereas, you know, you'll do a group of flights starting at nine, you know, squat, bench, deadlift, A, B, squat, A, B, bench, A, B, deadlift. Then sometimes you'll have another group, you know, starting in the afternoon at one or two. Mm -hmm. Um, We will only occasionally do that. I think at like... You know, USAPL Raw Nationals coming up. They have three sessions. Yeah, you know, they've got a morning session. They've got an afternoon session. They've got the prime time prime session. Time. Prime time session starting at six or seven o'clock. It's for all the lifters who actually matter, <laughs> right? So you know, and how are those broken up? We try to put people who compete against each other together. So mm-hmm. all the women lifters together, all the raw lifters together, all the masters lifters together. But there's no one fit one fits all formula. The best advice I can give you is either at the weigh-ins or when you get to the meet the day of the meet, go to the warm-up room and look for the lists of flights. Mm-hmm. And it will list your platform and it will list your flight. You want to look at that. You generally, with very rare exceptions, will not change flights or platforms. You almost always stay in the same plat. You almost always stay in the same platform. I would say, you know, 95% of the time you'll stay in the same flight unless there's been a lot of bombs and we start combining flights. Makes sense. So I could go on and on about how meets are run. Anything that you, like, wished you'd known on how meets are run, Bane, from your first couple meets? Um, you kind of hit it. it. It was, you know, definitely the multiple platform. Uh, yeah, because you that. And that's one of the reasons why we do the beginner's meets, because our big meets, like the state meet, I mean, two platforms can be confusing, like which platform you're on and yeah. which is one, which is two. And, you know, because you've got an A for one, and you've got an A for two. Mm-hmm. That's why we letter the platforms or letter the flights and number the platforms. Right. And, and so, so understanding that would have been a little more helpful. Just, I, I mean, I got it. I'm not the stupidest person on the planet. Close, but, um, you know, but, but it, it is confusing. And then when you, you add in there, and this is one of the things I think we, we will get to, is when you're in the warm-up room, I mean, there's, if you were at the Illinois State Meet here 2019, there's 250 people, you know, across those few days. So there's at any one time, you know, 100 to 150 people in the back room. And nobody's telling you what to do. No, no, unless you have a, a crew with you. So if you're by yourself, like, it's kind of a, it's information overload. Yeah, there's nobody sitting there holding your hand saying, you know, you better get warmed up soon, your flight's coming up. Right, right. I mean, I'll hold your hand, but that's okay. <laughs> um, and then the only other thing I'd say about how meets are run is look to the computerized scoring system mm-hmm. in the modern age of powerlifting. Yes. Basically, the meets are run through that computer system. So if you're looking for what the order is, even if you can't hear anything, if it's too loud or you can't understand the announcer look at that computerized scoring system and see who's up there and you can see what your order is and you can see what flight you're in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's talk about, I think warmups are one of those things that I think probably new lifters and even in our beginners meets, I think we could do a better job. I, I feel sometimes it's like, I don't want to hold everyone's hand with that because we don't want to make our, our beginners meets into like a full on, like, you know, technique seminar. Cause that's not what it's designed to be. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not designed to like, you know, look at everybody's, how they set up and warm up. But I think there's some tips that Bain and I could give as far as like how to time things and how to stage things that a lot of lifters really get very wrong. And if you're missing a lift in the warm-up room, let's just start from the top. Yeah. 
you're you're doing it way wrong. Yeah, uh, unless it's just some freak like the platform cracks while you're you're on it because you know you got so much weight. I'll give you that one. Okay, I see why you might miss that lift, but no, you you should be able to bury, especially your squats, because at that point you are fresh. You know you you you're you're ready to roll, and so you shouldn't be missing you know warm ups. I understand. I think that's one of the things that you know lifters joke about is it's not a real meet until somebody misses a warm up and and yeah, no longer him. And I get it. It's always funny to us, but, uh, you know, for me, when I'm looking at warming up, um, it, it is very much like training. And so you should have a, a some general time frame. uh, a, a rule of thumb. Again, this is not hard and fast. This is not, you know, the, the, the Bible per se, but about seven to nine minutes in between, because you look at most flights, they're going to be 10 to 15 lifters, right? So if you go seven to nine minutes in between your sets uh, when you're warming up and then when you're training, then when you get to the meet, it's like, oh, I've got a couple extra minutes to rest. I'm actually, you know, recovering a little better. Yeah, I, I find lifters, the, especially lifters that train by themselves, their issue is they're used to going so quickly yep. that having that long time between really can kind of throw them off. Correct. And, and here's what I recommend in our seminars, that the next time you go training, especially if you're doing a heavy day, put a stopwatch on your phone or an mm-hmm. actual stopwatch. Start it the moment you drop they your... They by themselves still. What's that? They sell those by themselves still. Yeah, the stopwatch. Of course, I always have a stopwatch on me. Oh well, yeah, on my phone, of course. No, no, I don't. I don't need a thousand dollar piece of technology to do something that's a you know ten cent calculation. Wrong, fake news. Anyway, so I would recommend whatever way you want to time it. <laughs> put a stopwatch from the time you put your bag down until you get to your first heavy set. See how long that takes you. Okay. If it takes you like ten minutes. In the meet, you're going to have to slow the hell down. Yeah. If it takes you like an hour and a half because you foam roll every freaking inch of your body, your taint, your, the bottoms of your feet, your VMO, and your lat, and, you know, everything else. Who doesn't foam roll their taint? <laughs> I would recommend perhaps you need to, like, condense all that down and boil it to the most important parts. And Bain said there's about 10 to 15 people for flight. You could probably say that most flights are going to take somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes. And mm-hmm. that is a pretty big range, but that's pretty accurate. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, here's usually my rule of thumb. Um, women go quicker than men, at least when it comes when to it comes powerlifting. When it comes to powerlifting. Um, raw is going to go quicker than equipped. Yep. Um, heavyweights are going to go... Also. Heavyweights, like you know, lightweights are going to go quicker than, than heavyweights. Yep. Um, and then obviously a smaller flight is going to go quicker than a bigger flight. That would yep. seem to be self-evident. But, you know, you could see, you know, like a 12-lifter lightweight female raw flight could get done in 25 minutes. Yep. Um, versus an all-equipped heavyweight flight on squat might literally take over an hour. And I've seen that. Yeah. So it is hard. And that's why, you know, we talk about looking at the computerized scoring system. Even if it's not your flight, you can look to that and see... When the columns are colored, that means that you're completed with that attempt. So you can kind of use that as your guide. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say, you know, try to get your light warm-ups done as quickly as you can, especially if you're in the second or third flight. Mm -hmm. Like as soon as that flight gets out of there, you know, if you take an empty bar, strip it down, take a bar, take a bar again if you need to, and then try to really front-load your light sets because once it gets close to the time that the flight is going to start, then the the, the warm-up area can start to get chaotic. Yep. And it's always better if you can get your light ones in when everyone else is just sitting around foam rolling their taint. Mm-hmm. And you maybe have one or two warm-ups in, and you just have to work your way in um, right before your flight starts. 
Yeah, no, that's that's a, a great tip. I think it's always uh you know, and you know, obviously depends on where you are on the flight too. You know, if you're in the end, I know it's kind of my you know general rule of thumb. Because uh, most squat and deadlift flights, I'm usually towards the end of those flights, uh, and so I like to try to take my last warm up as the first attempt is going. Yeah. I usually, you know, it depends on the meet, but in many meets, I'm usually more towards the beginning. So I would try to get my my last warm up done prior to the flight yep. starting. Yep. I kind of like to be done a little earlier than normal. I, I I really value being able to rest for about ten minutes before the flight starts and kind of calm down, catch my breath, let my adrenaline even out, pick a spot by the area where I want to sit, mm-hmm. and kind of stake out my area before my flight starts. Just get totally fucking zen. <laughs> so you know you got to time your warm-ups based on how the flight before you is going if it's going really quick sometimes you might have to skip some warm-ups yep. if it's going really slow you might have to take an extra single yeah and keep yourself warm do not do your your opener in the warm-up room oh my God, it should no. be a progressive build let's say that your your opener is 350 pounds on the squat mm-hmm. okay i'm going to take the empty bar twice I'll do, we'll just use a regular bar, even though it might not be there. We'll do 135. Maybe we'll do 185, 225. And then I do a single at 275. That might be about it. You know, it might yeah. take me about, for most lifters, I would say about three to five warm-ups, not counting the empty bars, what you need. I mean, if you're a female opening with 100 pounds on the bench, it's different than, you know, a heavyweight dude opening with 800 on the squat. But for most lifters in their first meet, try to keep it to three to five warm-ups. Yep. Nope, I agree. Okay, so choosing your attempts. This is one that probably we get the most questions on. Mm-hmm. Um, here's my guide, and Bane can chime in how he chooses his. Um, opener should be something you can do on a bad day, something you can do when you're sick, something you can do when you didn't get any sleep, something you can do when you uh, have a technical error in the the performance of your lift, and... If you're looking at like how many reps you can do on it, I usually use the the gauge of something you can triple, something you can do for a set of three. Um, that's usually my gauge. And some of this is going to kind of play into how you're going to choose your next attempts and how comfortable you feel taking bigger or smaller jumps. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of my rule of thumb on an opener. It's spot on. That's exactly where I'm thinking. It should be something you can essentially roll out of bed and get warmed up very minimally and do. So summer bash... I don't know, a couple months ago here, we mm-hmm. had a guy who literally walked in the door, hmm. put his bag down, walked to the platform, and did his opener. No warm-ups. Which, not going to lie, that was pretty baller. I like that a lot. And almost timed out, and we probably could have technically timed him out, but yeah. we gave him a couple extra seconds and literally threw his bag down, ran to the platform, got his opener. I would not recommend that. I would recommend warming up. Uh, I highly recommend warming up. Highly recommend. So opener, again, I, I would say for first-time lifters especially, you know, one thing that I don't think lifters always take into account, especially if you lift facing a mirror or facing a wall, first of all, I would recommend when you get close to meet, turn that around, yep. face face out, yep. because it, there is a difference in your balance. Mm-hmm. If you notice here, all of our squat racks do not face a wall, which is yep. not typical. Um, all of our monoliths and squat racks face out, mm-hmm. because in a meet, you're going to face the crowd. And yep. sometimes that's going to be a gigantic room with a high ceiling, mm-hmm. and it can throw off your center of balance if you're not, if you're not used to that. Correct. Um, and you don't know, what, you know how, the, how quickly the commands are going to be. You don't know if the equipment might throw you off. So, yeah, choose something you know you can get. For your second, I usually say that's something that 
is near your max, something you're fairly confident in, but something that is, you know, still getting to a max attempt. If you've already done a meet, which, you know, I guess if you're listening to this or getting this advice on it, maybe you probably haven't, but maybe once you've done one meet, my recommendation is if your training is going well, try to make your second attempt a small meet PR. Mm -hmm. And as Bain kind of has in his notes, like everything's a PR your first meet. Amen. Because you haven't done it in a meet yet. And granted, there sometimes even meet lifts can be higher than gym lifts, but there's definitely a difference between a meet PR and a gym PR, generally speaking. 100%. Huge difference. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty close to this. I usually, I'm usually going for a meet PR on my second attempt. I mean, right. you've, you've done enough meets with me. It's usually my MO is. Yeah. If I can, that's what I try to do. It, you know, as you've been lifting longer and longer, it's hard because it's, you know, it's, you know, kind of the point of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. But if I can, I would try to like a two and a half kilo PR in my yep. second. Cause then if you miss it, you've got a chance to take it over because of a technical error, missing a, missing a call or something like that. Yep. Um, and if you get it now, you can see how you feel to go for, what I'd you know, suggest on your third, go for broke for that day. Yep. You know, and sometimes you might feel great. Sometimes you might feel crappy. So treat the day as what it is. Uh, you know, I, lifters are always asking me, like, what are we going to choose for my attempts? What are we going to choose? And say, like, well, I, I always have a general plan for my lifters. Mm-hmm. But then from there, you just kind of have to see how they look. And, you know, if it's a good day, you go heavier than what you look like in training. You know, yep. one of our lifters here, Tara, like, at her, before her first meet, the Rise of the Dead of last year, I think she missed like 215 in the gym. Mm-hmm. And then I think she went in the, the meet and like pulled on her second attempt like 225 and it looked like a warm up. Yeah. Just because, you know, she, she and I would work out after work on a Thursday and she was tired and stressed from work. Yep. And then all of a sudden you're like fully rested on a Saturday morning. Yep. And, you know, the, the roar of the crowd and your energy. <laughs> yes. So. On your third attempt, that's is when you can kind of go for broke. That's and that's usually my my mo as well. Just uh, you know, presuming I get the uh, the near max, and yeah, go for broke. And usually, I uh, last few meets, it's been miss one of my first two, and then we'll go for you know the near the small right. pr. So, but that's why you choose the attempts as such because sometimes you miss your opener. My recommendation: first time lifters, mm-hmm. if you miss your opener, this is huge. Listen, repeat it. So, don't argue with me. Just repeat it. So don't go up and wait because I got it in the gym. Right. Repeat the damn lift. Just repeat it, and then you may not be able to get what you wanted that day, but treat it as a learning experience because your butt came up or because you missed one of the commands mm-hmm. or because you didn't get deep enough. Correct that issue. Never a good thing. Correct that issue. Take it on your second, and then see what you can get on your third. Yep. Because yep. you want to get in the meet. You don't want to bomb like I almost did in my second meet. Yeah. Bomb, bombings. Though I am told that that's how you know you're a real power lifter when you bomb out of a meet. Yeah, I bombed twice. It's not, it's not fun. Okay. Uh, equipment. So what do you need? Um, really the only thing you need is a singlet. Um, you need shoes for all three lifts. So there's a couple organizations. I think you can actually lift barefoot, Yeah. but most meets you're going to need shoes. Um, most meets you're going to need high socks for the deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't require, it's not a bad idea just to protect your shins. I mean, bleeding slows the meat down and that's why it, it became a rule. Um, and then you're going to need a T-shirt. Most organizations are not going to allow a tank top. Um, I shouldn't say most organizations. Some organizations are mm-hmm. not going to allow a tank top. So you need a T-shirt. Can't show off the gun, still a deadlift. Yeah. And we allow it, like in the APF, we allow sleeveless shirts, but it can't be a tank top. It's yeah. kind of a, a small little thing. Not my rule, just the rule. <laughs> 
This well, is this is what, some long notes today. We're on page two of the notes. But then what can you use, Eric? Tell well, us what you can yeah, use yeah. if oh, you want to. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, so you can use a belt. And part of this is going to depend on the organization. And you got to read the rule book. But for the most part, usually you can wear a belt. Um, you can wear wrist and knee wraps, especially if it's a, a meat that allows knee wraps in classic raw. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a meat that only allows knee sleeves in raw, you know, you can wear knee sleeves. And there's a myriad of, you know, other things for equipment, if it's an equip meet, which probably out of the context of this podcast. Um, things you can't use, I don't actually have that on there, but things you can't use would be things like gloves, like me at my first meet. Can't use straps, Correct. deadlifting straps. Um, you can't have a long sleeve shirt. You can't have long pants. Um, you no can't, hats. No, uh, most, some meets, beanies are okay, not hats with a like brim. Like hat, hat yeah. hats, yeah. Um, so those are some, we can't go through the whole rules, but those are some of the things to look out for as far as, you know, what you need, but what are the basics that you need? Oh, uh, no compression shorts. Yeah. Again, that's kind of, kind of, that's going to kind of depend on the organization, but like APF, USAPL, USPA, you need quote standard underwear. Now let's go back to our wings. Or nothing. Oh gosh. I hope Sammy Greco ever listens to this. Just don't be a Sammy Greco. Just put on some underwear for God's sakes. I don't wear underwear in my singlet. Oh, boy. Like, never have. Do you, do you wear a, a tight-fitting white singlet like Sammy Greco? That I do not. Okay. No. Uh, going back to Wayne's <laughs> segue, um, in some organizations, you will need to bring your equipment you're going to wear. Not yeah. in the APF. We don't, allow, we don't require that. You could bring it if you wanted to check it. There's no but, pay for play. Uh, USAPL, USPA, you will need to check your equipment and maybe even have it stamped. And for some of them, it might even include your underwear. Which, God, I've gotten more questions about underwear in the last three to five years. I just, you know, standard underwear. And I think in USAPL and USPA, they only allow, like, uh, you know, BVD-style, you know, mm-hmm. uh, tidy-whitey style briefs. Um, you know, boxer briefs, boxers are fine in the APF, thanks. Mm-hmm. But like Bain said, generally speaking, compression shorts are not allowed in raw. And the only reason I bring that up is because that is exclusively what I wear. And so that, that is the reason why I do not wear anything. Wow, learning more information. Don't call him anything other than Robert Bain yep. and Commando Lifting. Yeah. Okay. Raw, raw. Raw, raw. Wow, yeah. No knee wraps, no underwear. Nope. <laughs> um, we could go more into that, but that's kind of the highlights of what you need for equipment. Yep. Um, so we'll go over some highlights of the rules. And really what I want to kind of emphasize is to read the rule book of the organization of Whoa, whomever you, you ask too much, sir. To be fair, the APF WPC rulebook is fairly short, and I have actually read at one point the USAPL rulebook, and it is very long, especially if you start including in like their like governing. Uh, it's not the rulebook; they're like bylaws. There we go. Mm. That's even that goes even more in depth. Um, but read the try to at least read the highlights of the rulebook of the organization. Um, for most, most organizations on the squat, you're going to have two commands, squat and rack. Once you set up, once you have your feet set, make eye contact with the head referee, mm-hmm. some kind of nonverbal communication that you're ready to go. Because after you've received that squat command, there's no moving of your feet. There's no adjusting. It's just squat down and up. Um, and then once you've completed everything, you know, you're going to get a rack command. So, again, wait at the top. Those are the key. Wait. Or the squat. Don't immediately go down. Um, there's a couple organizations that do good not. good life advice right there. <laughs> there's a couple organizations that do not have a squat command, but most do. Um, again, check the rule book. APF does. 
So, you know, wait for those commands. Now, how do you know if you got deep enough, Eric? Oh, boy. How do you know if your yes. squat is to depth? So usually we're going to look at two vantage points on the body. And this, the, the reading of the rules is almost going to be identical in almost every organization. Um, the interpretation of the rule is slightly different. Ah. So Artistic the APF WPC rulebook at the very least, which is a copy of the old USPF rulebook, which is a copy of the old AAU rulebook, which was the original rulebook of powerlifting. So I can tell the other organizations have added and subtracted much more than we have. Um, but we're looking. So, for, so you're not saying we're right, but you're not saying we're wrong. Right, exactly. Uh, we're looking for the top surface of the thigh where it meets the hip, uh, usually known as the hip crease, to get below the top of the knee. So the APF WPC does have a diagram in the rule book. But and what if you have big quads? Yeah, it doesn't really matter. We're just looking at the hip crease. And I think this is where sometimes your internet judges, you know, because they're looking for maybe the top of the quad to get, quote, below parallel. Mm-hmm. Parallel does not a. I don't think that appears in any powerlifting rule book. Um, now, you need to, quote, break parallel in that if you're looking at those two vantage points as parallel with the ground, you do need to break that plane of parallel with the ground. Mm-hmm. So that's where it kind of, you know, colloquially comes from. But in technicality, parallel is not really the rule. It's not break parallel. It's basically get the hip crease below the top of the knee. Hmm. And in my opinion, where I think there's two places I think where maybe squat depth um, interpretations can be varied. One is that where is the top of the knee? I would define the top of the knee as the end of the quad at the end of your leg, not your patella. Okay. I think that's what other organizations might be looking at. Where is the patella, which is clearly, especially depending on how big your quads are, that could be, you know, half inch, quarter inch difference in height. So we're looking at the, in the APF, we're looking for the end of your leg as the top of your knee. And we're looking at the other end of your leg as your hip crease. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other element is that some organizations, and I've judged with them, um, they're looking for you to achieve depth convincingly deep. So essentially, Mm -hmm. they're looking for you to get deep enough to where if they're just sitting in their chair without moving around at all or leaning over, they're looking for you to know that you're in depth versus uh, in the APF, we're probably going to lean and try to find the best position possible to see that even if you broke depth by a millimeter, it can't be, quote, parallel, or you hear some of our judges say straight across. That doesn't work. It's got to be, you you have to break those two points, Um, but even by a millimeter is okay. Okay, so bench, at least in the APF, we've got two commands, press and rack. You mm-hmm. take the bar at arm's length. When it's motionless on your chest, you'll get a press. When it's motionless at the top and both elbows locked, you receive a rack. USAPL, USPA, might be a couple others that have a start command. Mm-hmm. So prior to getting, you know, beginning your descent, you'll have to wait for that start. With the APF, just whenever you're ready, you do have to receive it at arm's length. You can't just receive your hand off and immediately take it down. You don't have to hold it for any defined period of time, but you do have to wait arm's length, bring it down. A common question of new lifters is how long is the press command? You know, 73 seconds. Yeah, the, the only thing the rule book says is the bar has to be motionless on your chest. Mm-hmm. So it's sometimes can, as much as we'd love to say it's super uniform from one judge to the next, sometimes it will depend on the judge. Sometimes it'll depend on your descent, you know. I think shirted benchers tend to get a quicker press command because their descent tends to be so slow because they're just working to even get yep. the bar to touch their chest. Getting in that groove. Versus raw lifters, it can be a kind of fast descent. And if you have, as I say in my seminars, 
an excess of subcutaneous adipose tissue, sometimes that bar can sink down a little bit mm-hmm. um, before it's, quote, motionless and getting the press command. Okay. Um, you know, other things that we look at on the bench, you know, we're looking for your butt to stay down. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty self-evident. Foot position is going to kind of depend on the organization. In the APF, they just can't move. There are some organizations where you do have to be flat-footed. There are some organizations where you do have to keep your head down. In the APF, you do not. I don't recommend it. In fact, I think lifting your head, generally speaking, during benching is a bad idea. I think it yeah. causes you to lose your upper back tightness. But it is legal. Um, for all the lifts, you know, you can't have any downward motion. So on the squat, you can't have a double bounce. On the bench, it can't start coming up and one or both sides drop down. Right. Um, I think that and people's butt coming up is sometimes where people in the crowd will be surprised when somebody misses a bench because from the crowd you can't see somebody's butt coming off the bench. Yeah, unless it's very pronounced, you can't. And, and, and the that. judges, what we're looking for is daylight between your butt and the bench. And it's sometimes really easy to see from that side position and impossible to see from the head judge or even from the crowd. Right, right. And just to hit on the bench, I think that's the one thing that people get a little confused is it, it is not a pause. It, you mentioned it. It's, there's no defined period. It's just it's simply motionless. And that's where if, you, if you've got a good controlled descent, and, again, you don't have to dive bomb it. You don't also have to pull it down and take, you know, five seconds to – bring the bench down if you have a good control descent once it makes contact most judges are going to say as long as again you don't waffle around they'll give you that press command pretty quick you know i've had some so i'll call them fast calls i've also had some not so fast calls on the bench right and again if i look at the video the reason i didn't get a fast call is because part of the bar was moving yeah and sometimes you just will have a judge that gives a slow or fast press command and you might adjust your attempts accordingly Yep, and and you know what? That's a it's a great thing if we if we talk about you know meat strategy as you get you know a little more seasoned when you're seeing fast commands, maybe you change your strategy and your attempts a little bit. Right. Um, let's go on to the deadlift. You know there is one command down. The only um, lift that matters apparently now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, once uh once the bar is called loaded on all three lifts, that's when you can step on the platform. That's another side. Um and. You do have one minute to begin your lift. That mm-hmm. actually is a lot of time. We could sit here and I could put a stopwatch on for a minute and it would be seem like an eternity of dead silence. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're ready to go, if you're, you know, especially if you're not using equipment, um, which most lifters aren't, if you're going to wrap your knees, I'll say this real quickly. If you're going to wrap your knees, you want to start wrapping three lifters out when you're, quote, in the hole. One knee when you're in the hole, one, one knee when you're on deck, stand up, belt, you know, chalk, get ready, then you're ready to go. Yep. So if you're ready to go, one minute is a lot of time. And you do have one minute to start the lift. So it's not one minute to get to the platform. No. Nope. Um, but if they're running a clock, you know, you have one minute to receive the squat command, to receive the press command, and to break the ground of the deadlift. So once the bar is loaded on deadlift, you start. Once your knees and hips are locked, you receive a down command. You know, the only big thing on the deadlift as far as that goes, just make sure you, you put the bar down in a controlled fashion. You know, don't be a YouTube, Instagram superstar and throw it down. In fact, that's a good way to get thrown out of the meat. Don't be that guy. Yeah. There's two very specific rules to the deadlift. One is, and I don't believe these terms are in the rule book. Um, One is a hitch, which is essentially a form of downward motion. We talked about that the bar cannot go down once it's begun going up. Um, So the hitch is, you know, you're kind of working the bar up your thighs up and down. Um, It's usually pretty easy to see. Uh, 
ramp, I think in the rule book, it talks about not using your thighs as a platform. So essentially, you kind of see it in strongman where it's legal. So I'm not mm-hmm. bitching about it, but, you know, the bar will clear somebody's knees, their knees will straighten, and then they'll rebend the knees in order to use their thighs as a platform to continue picking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is definitely no lift. And it's something that is kind of slight that can get missed if you're not looking for it. Correct. And just don't do it. Just pick the stupid thing up. <laughs> it's not hard. Just pick so that's thing. a really brief overview of the rules. I, I spend probably like 45 minutes on each of those in the seminar, or maybe 30 minutes on each of those in the seminar and go a little bit more in depth. But I, I think probably... Oh, depth, you say. <laughs> I think probably the, the biggest takeaway is to pay attention to the commands. That's the number one... Oh, it's huge. That is the number one mistake of new lifters. Is mis- you know, especially like something simple like the rack command on the bench. Oh, my gosh. Because lifters are used to, and the gym on their own, you know, if you don't have a handoff and, you know, maybe you're kind of playing right on the edge of being able to get a lift or not, you don't want to kill yourself, is you're, benching, not, yeah. you're benching it up and you're immediately throwing it into the rack. Yep. And you're not waiting for that rack command. My, my recommendation is to practice this in training. You know, mm-hmm. have a training partner, just pause yourself or say it to yourself. Um, wait for a press command. You know, you don't have to have, it doesn't have to be press command singles all the time in your training and bench. But I think prior to getting to a meet, it makes sense to do a squat with a squat and a rack, mm-hmm. do a bench with a press and a rack, um, wait for a down command on the deadlift. Just get used to that half second of weight. Yep. Yep. No, I, I agree. And I think, well, you see, we've trained together a bit and, you know, especially on bench, you know, a lot of folks after they complete that, that bench, I'll usually give a hold it. And then, you know, we pull it in because, again, just to get used to that, just slight pause at the top. And that is probably the most common mistake that – it's not – I shouldn't say it's the most common mistake. It's the most common mistake that makes people miss good lifts. Yeah. You know, I mean, you probably see more instances of people missing squats on depth or butt up on bench. But, you know, it's a perfect lift. You just forgot to wait for the rack yep. command. You get so excited. You get a little chub, and then boom, there you go. Right. So what to expect? Um Part of this is going to depend on the size of the meat, the type of meat. It's not always about size, Eric. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, yeah, it it's, it's how you use it. Yeah, it is. So as far as the length of the meat, my recommendation for most lifters is plan on being there the whole day. You know, yes. And if you're not, then it's just a bonus. Yeah. But I've had lifters that will email me after registering for one of our really big meets be like, well, I've got plans, you know, for dinner at 5 o'clock. Do you think I'm going to make it? No. It's like, no. I'm like, no. You should just plan on being – like, you've paid $100. Like – yeah. It's going to be a long day. Well, I mean, we try to move it as quickly as we can, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, if you have 60 lifters and four flights, it's going to be a long day. Yep. So bring the food and drink you need for the day. Don't plan on going out to get food because, A, you may not know what they have around the meat site. There may not be anything. Right. There may be nothing. B, you may not have a long enough break. Like if it's a smaller, quicker meat mm-hmm. and, you know, there's only two flights and it goes from 9 to 1 or 2 p.m., you may have no, you know, break to run 10, 15 minutes away to get food and come back. Yeah. So, you know, I it's got food what kind of food should you bring? <laughs> Any recommendations? Uh, you know, I usually like to stick with low key food in Spain. Oh, okay. Uh, why? Do you have a specific recommendation on that? I don't know. You tell me, do I? <laughs> you oh. see me on how many meat days oh. what do I have oh, with Oh, right. Me? Yeah, uh, of course. Uh at uh, what's their Instagram handle? At Sour Patch Kids? Uh, at Mondelez. Uh, at, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sour Patch Kids are very popular at meats. As are Swedish Fish. As are Swedish Fish. I don't think as popular as... Uh, no, Sour Patch are like, that's a whole... I mean, hell, there's whole flavors of, right. you know, supplements that are all based on Sour Patch Kids. 
I don't know about Sour Patch Kids because I don't eat them, but my recommendation is to have some food to munch on all day. Yeah. I, I, for me, it would be like a PB&J and a granola bar, some Gatorade, some water. Make sure that after each lift, you eat a little something, even if you're not hungry. Yep. If you don't, you're going to get to the deadlift and you're going to have low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, you could pass out because you're just going to start to feel lightheaded. Pull it or pass out, baby. Woo! Uh, don't do like the guy did at 20... I think it was 2017 AAPF Nationals where he didn't eat anything. And then he had like two monsters and like two scoops of pre-workout and then proceeded to puke, green puke all over my partner, Howard Pendrels. Oh, my God. This is horrible and hilarious. Yeah. Um, So he didn't eat anything. And then he just pounded caffeine, which is another one to think about as far as drinks. My recommendation is, you know, if you're used to doing caffeine, like don't change it because you don't want to change your variables. But at the same time, like don't, you know, take a triple scoop of pre-workout to like go balls to the wall that day. No. Do what you normally do. Like for me, it would be a coffee in the morning if it's a morning meet and then maybe a monster prior to deadlift. To me, you don't want to necessarily be, you know, pounding caffeine all day because you could crash at some point. There is a half-life of caffeine. Um I drink copious amounts of caffeine all yeah, the time. I know. But. My partner, Howard, will drink a pre-workout prior to each lift. You know, you got to – I would just say that, you know, you got to kind of play around with that, but be prepared. If you need caffeine all freaking day long, you better have it. Yeah, oh, 100%. You, because you don't want to get to the deadlift and, you know, be like, ah, oh, we had some lifter come at the last meet. He's like, anyone have a have a pre-workout that I can borrow? It's like, no, nah, you know, I don't really use it. We sell Monster here, but – Yeah. Um, if you care about your award – Wait till the end of the meet yeah. to get your award. Like, don't be the person that, like, comes to me as I'm trying to finish the meet. It's like, hey, can I get my award early? Like, first of all, we haven't even scored the meet yet. Yep. Secondly, you're not special. Like, and if you want to be special, but wait. my mom says I am. And if you want to be special, just wait till the time when we specifically call your name and bring you up there to hand you your award. And everyone will know you're special. Right. If you enter a meet that has drug testing, or if you enter the division that has drug testing, like the AAPF and our meets, mm-hmm. this is, I would say this is important. Make sure you stick around until the end of the meet, even if you don't care about awards. Fun fact, I did not stick around. I did not get called for drug testing in my first meet, but did not stick around for it. Yeah. I've, I have actually called some people for drug testing that didn't stick around, and at least in the APF, technically, um, if you fail to show up for a drug test, that is counted as a failure. And in the APF, one failure, and you're out. You're on to the APF. You compete with the non-tested dudes after that. Yep. And there was a guy that we allowed to come within, like, 72 hours. He was a local guy. He said, Mm -hmm. you got to present yourself at 2XL powerlifting for a drug test. Otherwise, it's going to count as a failure. Yep. I know for some organizations, they ain't going to give you that leeway. Um, And they might even show up at your house and do a drug test some other time. Yeah. If you're a big lifter. But if you if you enter a meet that's drug tested, you got to be prepared, you know, to sit for a drug test. Mm-hmm. Now, what, it's you, really involved too. They pluck hairs, they you pee, you know, <laughs> draw blood. It's a stool sample. There's a lot that goes into it um, yeah. for the drug test. No, that's really not. family history. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I would say that if you don't want to do that, just lift non tested. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to lift in meets that are amateur slash drug tested, you know, just be prepared to sit for one. Um, it's like a backhanded compliment. Yeah, I mean, it is random, Bane. Sure it is. Right, it's random. Sure it is. <laughs> I, I give Eric a lot of crap about that because it was it was happenstance for like four meets in a row I got called for testing. And again, I, I always jokingly call it a backhanded compliment. It's like, okay, they're looking at it going, 
there's no way you got those with without drugs. So it's uh. I understand it's random. I, I mean, it is random, but let's be honest. Uh, I mean, like the 80-year-old female who are all happy as did a meet that benched, you know, 95 pounds. Mm-hmm. We're super happy she's benching and lifting the meat. She's probably not on drugs, though. So yeah. sometimes the randomizedness, you know, has... The, one, uh, the 181 who squats 740. Maybe. Yeah, the randomness of it, you know, maybe is, uh, has, you know, it's like a smart meter. Yeah. So, you know, your final insights, Bane, on like, you know, what to what to expect and, you know, what what to get out of that day. Yeah. Uh, so first things first, have fun. That That is what this is about. At the end of the day, you're working out in front of people. So it's not the end of the world. It's not – we're not curing cancer, but we're having fun. And especially your first meet, everything's a PR. One, no, you, you learn none of your gym lifts count. And two – you now have official record of your lifts. And so you can say, I, I stood, I was judged, and I was found worthy. And that's cool. That's just a really cool feeling. I, I don't care what you total. I don't care if you total 100 pounds or 2,000. It's just cool to be able to say, I officially have this total. And I think Bane and I both talked about, it, even in our mistakes of our first meets today, but that both of our, our first meet experience was really good. And that's yeah. why we're sitting here at 8 o'clock on a Monday night yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Um, because we, you know, found a lot of value in that first meet and have continued to come back. And for me, you know, I've practically made a career out of it. Yeah. Um, and so it, you should have fun. And to me, the camaraderie and the environment is what makes it fun. Whether you, you know, hit your best gym lifts ever or whether you mm-hmm. place first or whatever, you know, the experience is palpable. It, it is. And, you know, to that point, some of the best friends that I, I have in my life, I, I have met through the sport uh, and I, and present company included, and so I, I, you know, highly encourage, you know, taking that experience and, and kind of think back on that day. And I think back on that day a lot, actually. Uh, one, because it was my birthday and it was a great day. And, but I think back at, again, the people I met and the people I see now. And, it, and it's kind of awesome when I think about it. I look at the people who are judging, uh, putting on that meat, who are on the microphone. I remember for some reason you got brought up for something. I don't know what it was. It was, I don't know if it was about being the state chairman or whatever. And, for whatever reason, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna know this guy. For some reason, it just was in my gut. I know probably just weird. milling around, doing about ten thousand things at once. Probably, worked. even though it wasn't my meat. Yeah, uh, I mean, you are the state chairman, so you probably should deal with any fights that are going on. So, oh my god, <laughs> that was the next year or two years later, uh, I should say. Okay, so, <laughs> so we have to tell this story well, before we okay, get into it. Yes, yeah. My last piece of advice to every single person that does a meet is come back. Come back and do a second. Here's why. It's not because of the money. It's not because of the investment. You have so much more perspective when you come back and you're seeing all that. And then you also see all the first timers through the eyes of everybody that was watching you. And it's just, it's really, really cool. And now let's talk about you being the state chairman and okay. breaking up. Well, let's, uh, let's finish our, our thought process on final <laughs> insights before I go into that story. Oh, it's such a good one too. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Going on top of that, I would say, you know, if you're listening to this and you haven't done your first meet and you're kind of on the fence, I think what Bane and I are saying is, you know, do it. Um, do the meet. If you're oh, on my the, gosh, if, do it. If you're on the fence, like, just go register for it. Don't even – don't put such a big thought process that, like, I have to achieve a certain lift and I have to get to a certain level. I mean, at the end of the day, at the first meet, you really are just competing against yourself and the bar. Yeah. Like, once you've done some meets, now you can it's start thinking about – 
<laughs> now you can start thinking about like, you know, how do I stack up and do I want to try to break some records and do I mm-hmm. want to compete against people in bigger meets? Yeah. But your first meet, just treat it as an experience of your first meet and do it because it's going to be a great time. I, I, I don't know that there's anybody that I've ever, like my clients or teammates that I've recommended and encouraged to do a fruit meet that haven't, you know, really enjoyed that experience. Even people that have only gone back and done one or two meets after that, mm-hmm. some of my personal training clients through the years. I mean, I've had some that have come back to me years later and said, gosh, I'm so glad that I did that you mm-hmm. know, one or two meets. And, you know, I have a YouTube video and I show people in my office of it. Yeah. And even if they didn't stick with it forever, which... You know, we talked about last week, sometimes people don't because they achieve that goal and then maybe it's on to the next goal. Yeah. But I, my, my encouragement would be, yeah, if you're kind of on the fence, you know, go ahead and register and do your first meet. 100%. Okay. So I'll try to maybe not make this the longest story ever since we've already been going for probably our longest episode yet. But let's go back. We're, what year was this? 2015? We're, we're building the stamina. Uh, it was 2016, actually. Uh, it was right before. So what was your first meet? So mine was 2014. Okay, and this this is so 2015. I was there with friends not from Illinois. Okay, 2016 was the first state meet I was at, but not competing in. Okay, as a member of the Monster Garage Gym. Okay, so I I'm I was whatever year it was, I could look back in my own record, but I was competing myself. Yes, you were, and yes, I am the state chairman. But I mean, sometimes I actually lift myself and like. You know, newsflash, people, being the state chairman, it's not like there's a salary from the APF. It's just like, you know. You're not independently wealthy. <laughs> here's just a title, and you get to run meets. That's basically it. And you get to take care of the records. Thank mm-hmm. you, Justin CP, for doing those for me. Um, so I'm sitting there eating some Cadbury eggs between yes, us. power pellets. Because Cadbury eggs are my favorite candy, and I don't do the whatever you – Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. Between lifts, I was eating some Cadbury eggs because it was around Easter. Yeah. And a lifter comes up to me and says, hey, and I'm not going to say who it is, but I'll say who the other guy is because I know he doesn't care. <laughs> so a lifter comes up to me and says, hey, that guy Sean Coplin over there spit in my face. That's assault. <laughs> my, fr- my friend's a cop. I'm going to call the cops. <laughs> and my reaction is kind of like it is now is I kind of like I pause because I don't know how to react. There's like so many things going through my mind. A, why are you telling me this? B, what the F happened? And he's like, you're the state chairman. You should take care of this. And I'm like, well, first of all, I'm lifting in this meet. I'm not even the meet director. Yep. So, you know, I'm like, okay. And I like Sean. I've never had any issues with him. He certainly does have uh, an internet reputation, I would say. And I think that's where this came from, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, the, the beef started online. And, and again, this is not saying anything negative about Sean. Sean... You can you can you can you can test him with just about anything. He he is going to be the same person. If he's going to talk smack to you online, he will say the same thing to your face. Which I love about Sean is right. he is, he is not faking. He is not a keyboard warrior. And yeah, definitely not. <laughs> he, is, he is not. You 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 roll up on him. He'll you know if it comes down to it, he'll throw hands. Doesn't really want right. to, but uh, so I go yeah. up to Sean and I say. You know, I'm kind of laughing because I'm like, why am I even doing this? This is not my meat. Yeah. I'm lifting in this meat. But I go up to Sean. I say, Sean, uh, hey, what's going on? Uh, so-and-so said you spit on him? And he, he just laughed. And his friends by him <laughs> laughed. I was sitting next to him, by the way. Oh, okay. I didn't even remember you were there. And Sean says, I didn't spit on him. You know, he was talking smack. He got up in my face. And then he claimed I spit on him. And he said he was going to call the cops. Yep. And I said... Okay. And he said, there's no problem. 
I said, okay, well, I don't, I don't even know what I said after that. I was just like, ah, okay, that's he said, she said, what are you gonna do? The guy legitimately called the cops, and they showed up. And the cop, these are DeKalb cops. We're in mm-hmm. no, no, maybe Sycamore. We're, we're, in, sy- we're yeah, in Sycamore. Sycamore High School, same difference. Sycamore DeKalb. Yeah. You know, Sycamore cops show up and they're annoyed. I can tell. Oh yeah, they do not want to be there. They're annoyed. They're like, "Why are we at this random event at the high school?" Yeah. And but they come up to me because the guy says I'm a witness to it. Oh my god, are you serious? So they come up to me and take a report for me, and they're like, "Hey, you know <laughs> what happened?" And I'm like, first of all, I didn't even see anything that happened." I said, and he's like, "Well, they said you're you know in charge." I said, first of all, I'm not in charge." No. I said, "I'm a participant today." I am the state chairman for whatever that's worth. By the way, you totaled 1543 that day. Oh, okay. That was a good day for me. Yeah. I had a good day. Yeah. At 165. Well done. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> gosh. And so they, they're talking to me for a while, and they ask me what happened. I say, well, supposedly he spit on them. I talked to both guys. Sean Copland said he didn't spit on them. The other guy says he did. I, I don't know. Um, the other guy says his friend's a cop, and that's, you know, that's assault. Mm. Uh well, you guys are cops, is it? <laughs> you guys are cops. <laughs> is spitting on him assault? Are you going to arrest him? Um, so, they, yeah, they, the cops did come talk to me and took a report. <laughs> I, Sean Coplin, it's verified. It, at least that day, he was not arrested. He was um, not. He was not arrested that day. He stayed there, and I don't think he was lifting. He was probably just coaching, right? He was coaching that day, yeah. Yeah, he was coaching. And the other lifter um, was memed online. Mercilessly. <laughs> <laughs> and probably if this audio ever gets out online it will probably like rebring up the whole story and rememed all kinda, of the kind of hope it does i think actually his phone number got posted on there too uh, that might be a little more than i would do we don't need to dox anybody yeah but, i know it's still pretty funny though there is a picture of him floating around on his phone calling the cops yep so yeah there's the aside story of me getting I, I would actually like to see that police report to see what's in there oh i wonder if we could do like a Gosh, uh, public I, records to, uh request i think i do know a couple of cops in that area i mean at least dick zenzen was as a retired cop in dekalb but yeah we could do a public record search oh, and, that we totally could post that on the instagram of the uh police rep- i mean because if they came out they had to write a report oh yeah they did yeah they had to write a report um, I would like to see the police report of what was said and what I, I, I cause I kind of remember what I said, but again, yeah. you said it was 2016. Yep. So this was three year, three and a half years ago. Yep. But yeah, there's, there's the side story of, uh, at a meet, um, assault <laughs> and the state chairman assault at a powerlifting meet. This is why you want to do this sport. You're, you're the state chairman. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> it's like, Jesus, I'm going to try to lift in the meat is what I'm going to try to you're, do. You're a state participant. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, it, so again, this is one of the reasons why I love this sport is Eric and I have been on a lot of adventures. Some of you didn't realize we were on together. Um, I didn't even know you were there when I talked to Sean. I remember people were there. Yeah. I, I, was, I think I was kind of embarrassed even to go talk to him, honestly. Oh, you you, you were so awkward. You were like, it, it, you hit it around the head. You did not know why you were standing there. You're like, what? what is this? I, you know, and in some ways, even on my mind, I'm like, you know, should I just like be like, it's not my effing problem? Not my service, it, not and my monkeys. And it really wasn't my problem. And I don't know. I don't know. I guess I just thought, well, to pacify him, I'll go and talk to Sean. Because I have had no issue and have no I get along actually great with Sean. Yeah. Every meet I've come to him, get along great. So I thought, well, I'll just go ask Sean what the hell happened. Yep. And it was awkward in some ways. I'm like, I'd actually like to hear what happened and what the hell's going on around here. Yeah. There was another state meet story. Maybe we'll tell another time where some change got thrown on the ground. <laughs> so. I think we'll I've see. heard this one too. 
We'll save that for another time. Yeah. Um, so next week, guess what? And it's funny that this is on here, Bane. Guess what came in the mail today? I saw it on the table. Today, and this will probably be posted tomorrow, but October 7th, 2019, I finally received my West Side vs. the World DVD. When did you provide to the Kickstarter campaign oh, for that? Oh, I mean, I, I, it had to have been at least fall of 2017. I could go back and look because I actually wrote that off on my taxes as a uh, taxable donation or something. Which, don't be wrong, I am very excited that West Side vs. the World is out and people are seeing it and it's getting a lot of right. I, views. I, it's awesome. I 100% support Michael Fahey. He is, if you didn't know, he is one of the driving forces behind the WPO getting on ESPN. Yep. So he's been a big part of this. But yeah, I and I, Michael Fahey, if you ever listen to this, I seriously doubt you're going to go an hour and a half and do a. Although Michael Fahey has not done a meet before, so maybe he'll listen to this and perhaps get, get some tips on his first powerlifting. Maybe meet. we just tag West Side Film. Yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> I think we should. I would like get, my. Get I was crack, on the, the secondary level of the Kickstarter. So when am I getting my like Chuck Volgapol uh, posters mm. or whatever West Side posters? Because we actually would put those up here. Can we get like a meet used like flame beanie? Yeah, that would be cool. some, something. Yeah, memorabilia. Th- throw me something. Considering I paid seventy dollars for my Kickstarter, <laughs> and I got the DVD. Like you know, that's months. that's a whole story. Like just how that whole thing. No, went and down. and to be wild. fair to Michael, go look up the story because I don't really think it's his fault. He got involved with a uh, the corrupt guy who yeah, basically that's... stole the Kickstarter money. Yeah. Like not basically, literally. He did he literally stole the Kickstarter money and spent it on crack horse? Probably nice. And so Fahey had to do a whole bunch of fundraisers. He was doing showings. West Side vs. the World was probably done a year before it came out, like yep. basically done, better to be ready to be shown, but he didn't have the money to execute, you know, creating DVDs and sending out DVDs to the Kickstarters. Yep. So, and I'm not, I'm not complaining. I don't really care. I got the West Side vs. the World. We did a, we did a, a little party and showed it here at the gym. Um, so I got it electronically a number of months ago, but it's just funny that I had it for next week. Mm-hmm. Bane and I are going to do our review of West Side vs. the World. Oh, I'll have to watch it for the 10th time. So I'll have to watch it. I've only watched it once. I guess I'll, maybe I'll pop in my DVD I finally got and watch it. Well, I've, I actually got it on my phone. Wow. Through, uh, through iTunes is where I got it. So Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll watch it again, and, and we'll review that. And I think it makes sense. What I'm going to try to do, I can't guarantee it with my setup, is I'm going to try to set up an interview with... WPO president Wayne Pullum in a couple of weeks uh, leading into the WPO. And it makes sense to kind of do this because we talked about one of the reasons why the WPO is on ESPN on October 28th on ESPN 3, 12 noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, is due to the popularity of West Side versus the World. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of brought equipped lifting, you know, to a new audience. And I'd say powerlifting in general to a new audience. I mean... We'll talk about it next week, but I would say, gosh, he did an excellent job of taking what, and this is not a slight on Westside. Westside's very influential, but what is basically an obscure powerlifting gym in Ohio and making a, whatever, hour and a half, two-hour documentary about Mm it. Yep. You know, if you just take that subject in and of itself, I mean, it's, the subject is, you know, a very small gym in Ohio that specializes in a very obscure sport. And it's, it is a phenomenon. That's really that's really what it's what Westside versus the world is, and it is what Westside is, right? And, and but, but we'll get into that next week. Yeah, we'll get into that next week. I'd say that's it. We've already gone an hour and a half, Bane. Ooh. So this is Eric Stone signing out. Strength and anger. <laughs>